I've been a CISO for almost four years now. What do I need help with? What a lot of other people like me coming up into the security field and are already those at the top, many of them too, we need help with that translation. How do I present to my board without killing them with numbers? Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? I, I love that you're interested in, in this information and it excites me that there's increasing interest from the practitioner side, from the seed level side to learn more just just an hour ago, another CISO was like, oh, I, I want to learn about your podcast. I'm like, what, Dr. Dark Web? They're like, no, no, audience first. I'm like, awesome. They don't want to talk threat intelligence. They want to talk marketing and demand gen and yep. sales. So that's really exciting. I'm super happy to have you on audience first today. We can go down two different routes because this was an unplanned last minute session. I could grill you about the buyer's journey, about your motivations, challenges, and goals, or we could have an open conversation and you can ask me questions and we could just have a back and forth. How do you want to take it? And let's try with the questions because I'm actually interested about some of the things that are a problem slash concern of, of focus here, but I want to know what the thinking is on the other side because that might focus the message maybe a little bit more. So you mentioned the CISO just now. Um, I've been a CISO for almost four years now. September is going to be four years. And it's been a drastic transformation for me, the way I, I think about cybersecurity, specifically risk management in general, and more importantly, how that ties into the whole business flow of a company, not, not a technical entity, but a business in a company. And I'm recognizing that the, the, the value, the things like Words like value, uh, business value, a return of investment, long-term planning have a very different meaning to executives and the boards than what we techies think coming up. And as I'm starting to realize this, this is when I start, get, this is when the whole thing started. Why am I not getting the help from the sales side? People seemingly more, more attuned or should be more attuned to business things than me, how come I'm not getting that help from them? Why am I asking? Why am I demanding? Why am I, why is it on me? Because it's, you know, it's both of our interests. So on the sales side, this realization that I just framed a little bit, is it there? Has it been there? Or is it also appearing there just now? The lack of communication across departments? The lack of communication, but more importantly, that techies have no idea what value means in their majority, what value means to people above them? Yes and yes. I'll say, so let's, let's break it down. I will use my experience, my opinion, point of view, and also back it up with a few insights that I've heard throughout the course of the series here on Audience First. Okay, so we'll break it up into two. Is it the, the inability to understand what value means to others or inability to 
articulate what value means in the words of others. First more than the second, but second uh, comes out of the first. So in not yes. understanding first and then thinking that they understand, trying to convey it in the terms that they think they understand, which is not at all what people above them or parallel to them on business level mean. Yeah. So again, I think it does stem from the silo, from the lack of communication, from the disconnection between the departments. And it's, this is from my own experience. How do I articulate demand and or brand value to the CEO or to the VP of R&D or to the VP of product? To them, value means something different. You have to be able to understand and speak in the language of the person that you're trying to sell to, because essentially what you're doing as a CISO is pitching a story to somebody. And in order to pitch a story, you have to understand how they communicate, what is the language that they speak, what are the terminologies that they use, and frame that story in a way that resonates with them. Or else they're not gonna, they're not gonna understand. They're not gonna find that connection there. And so I think the best advice that I got was from my previous boss, Chris Gabler, had told me, you have to pitch digital to sales in ways that resonate with them. They're not going to care about growth and traffic. They're not going to care about impressions. They're not going to care about clicks on your ads. So what they're going to care about, how many opportunities do they get? How much revenue or pipeline are you bringing in from those channels? How much, uh, what is the conversion rate between opportunity to, to close one business from those specific inbound sources? So it stems back to, again, to recap a few things. One is language, lexicon, terminology, Two is framing stories tied back to the pains and challenges of your audience because they're your audience in essence. And three is before any of that, having the conversation with them, breaking down those silos, understanding that you are all one function, one team. No, and, and that makes sense. The lack of conversation. So, I, you know, again, a CISO becomes a CISO. First time CISO is a coming from somewhere else, usually lower level tech director, security director, IT, whatever it might be. And we are lacking education exactly on things you just discussed. Like I would first have to know that I'm lacking. Then I would have to be able to go to the people where this information resides, pull them on it, understand what they're saying, learn to how to build around it. And by then hope, hopefully not get fired and then actually start delivering on the value. And that's a, you know, and for us techies, in most cases, pretty introverted people is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, which is why, you know, when I have, when I have a vendor come to me, this is what I like, I, I keep pushing for this. It, and, and this is interesting because I'm actually starting to understand this. I'm actually don't need the vendor to do this for me as much as, as I used to. The understanding that this was my problem before, I recognize that everyone else behind me is having the same problem or about to have the same problem. And the people best suited to help us, the ones that deal with us the most, but also the ones that had to learn our language from business speak, could be the ones to help us. Again, it stems back from specific experiences of mine. How do you kind of create that bi-directional relationship that you're, so that you're working as a team? Like, I mean, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. So again, it's kind of 
selling them a value-driven service, yep. essentially, to get what you need back. I don't, I, again, for me, I need to be customer success best friend. They're not going to give me access to customers if I don't explain to them in their terms and in their words what value they're going to get from me talking to the customers, right? NPS score is going to get higher, right? What are their KPIs? NPS higher, retention rate, lower churn. Think about the KPIs and create that pitch that's going to touch on those KPIs. So pipeline, you know, you're talking to me now. It doesn't matter if you go to your competitor. In a year or two, I'm still in your pipeline. I am basically now in your pipeline. Someone told me this before. And it, it, it really floored me. In U.S., maybe it's less so in the rest of the world, but in U.S., most of products you get terminate you as a customer for a prolonged period of time. And the, the better the product, the longer you're not a customer anymore. You know, like you buy a pair of shoes, and it's a good pair of shoes. It's not it's going to last you five, six years. For five, six years, you don't need another pair of shoes like that. So you're terminating that person as a customer. Okay, so I got an IM solution of some kind. I don't need an IM solution anymore. So that's it. I don't need that salesperson, period. But if it wasn't simply a sale, and there's a whole whole set of issues with just the sale, by the way. Um, but if it wasn't just a sale, what was it? Well, if it was an attempt, maybe maybe even a successful one, to help with a problem and bringing value as part of that, you didn't just you didn't lose a customer for the next you know then until the contract expires you have a continuous partner you, you at a minimum you're getting a person that you can always put in front of someone else you're trying to pitch to you're going to get feedback you're going to get potential expansion opportunities one of you can leave one way or the other and you're still maintaining that connection your your pipeline is always you you you, you carry your pipeline you become a better you you become a salesperson that is more valuable because you bring your pipeline with you, even though you're not breaking any laws or like stealing customers. You are just maintaining. This is what you're dragging around with you. But but what it does take is a little bit. It's it's interesting, like kid kid wise. Like, do you want the one candy now? Or do you want five candy in a week? What do you want? They're like, oh, I don't know <laughs> which one to pick. I had this one guy at at you know we read no names, but a company I used to work for before that there's a, that is a an Israeli company, and he was at the end of his career. Uh, we called him a, a I think it was like Corvette, Corvette uh, because you know, he would do like one maybe two deals a year, and they would be massive deals. It would take him like six months to close it, but the, but that was his thing. He was like close to retirement. He's like I just need a couple of these deals to just get my next Corvette, and then I'm happy about that. But he just kept doing that, and he would him. It was all about like relationship building. But he was patient, patient. He didn't chase that immediate dollar. He was about that. And I think maybe maybe if I would have told him about it, he probably said, "No, no, I mean, I'm in it for the money." He, like he'd still think about it in terms of the money. He didn't think about it that way. Um, it almost reminds me of you know what's that term? AR ARR, right? Annual recurring revenue. Maybe there should be something like PAR, potential annual recurring revenue that salespeople carry around. How many previous customers would identify you as a trusted vendor to whom you can bring any new product and say, hey, listen, we worked with you in the past, you know me. I think this could be valuable to you. 
Yeah. It's like NPS, but for salespeople. I'll flip it on the, to, to the marketing side and to the research side and to the feedback side, because for, as a marketer, that to me is gold. I have right now in my back pocket, a repository of insights on audience first. Awesome. Cool. What I have in my back pocket is unlimited resources and insights in my future for future purposes. Yep. Hey, can I ping this idea? Can I throw this campaign idea at you? Can I show you my new website? Hey, can I show you my booth? Can you come to my booth? Can you come speak at my conference? Who doesn't want that? Yep. And that's why I urge marketers to build those authentic relationships on the sales side. Par. Wow, I'm so stealing that from you. Par. You have par <laughs> like, and then go buy your Corvette. You know, you, people, uh, will go, I mean, we, listen, we, we got to do this, right? Like start a website. We get, I always wanted this, by the way, I want, I wanted this review website. You know, you, you deal with a salesperson or a vendor and you leave them review of a sales process. And then based on these reviews and the resulting deals, they could be this tracking of par that you can like. You know that that that's what, what the fuck did I just read is going to turn into <laughs> now, right? Like, but no, yeah, um, awesome. that could be interesting. It, it could be interesting. That could say a lot about. The buying process yeah. too. Like, what is your experience in the buying process with that salesperson? Because there is that potential that, oh, they'll, you know, sweeten you up and then ghost you. But is that, did that happen? Did that not happen? Are they treating, you got glass store firm employees, which is also an indicating was, factor yeah. during yeah. the buying journey. So what about the sales process though? That is genius. I telling all the salespeople I talk to, don't be a, you're not a salesperson. You are a business analyst. Or whatever the, mm -hmm. the ranking is, a specialist, right? Business business process specialist. You're helping me figure out the best place to bring value to my business. Not just me, my my area of expertise, but my overall business. Brian Hogley, uh, a guy I respect a lot. He's got a he's 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 running his own consulting practice. He does his videos on on LinkedIn and one of them was recent about InfoSec program. And he nailed it. What is the point? Why do you need an InfoSec program? And he's starting the three starting items are revenue, help company make or protect revenue, smart spending, help companies spend strictly well, and help companies stay in compliance with a bunch of different things. So revenue, if you can help me in revenue or smart spending, it's not sales anymore. It's uh I don't know what it is. It's like a PCP visit. Like you just got to do it. Just do it. You just like a quarterly basis. You got to like do the review of various business. In fact, it should be rotation. Like every week I'm meeting with another business analyst in a particular area to review whether their thing will meet my business uh, mm -hmm. criteria. And if so, great, we got a sale. If not, or at least, you know, pipeline of sales or whatever it is. What are the qualities of a business process analyst? I, I, I might only be able to describe it with lack of. La That's perfect. Lack of tunnel vision. Any one thing or any one direction isn't the only direction. So a business analyst needs to understand uh, what's happening, but at any point, not take the answer as the only answer. Hey, what's, you know, why are you doing this? Well, this is why. Okay, let me rephrase the question for you because I just want to make sure we get it correctly. Rephrasing the question, changing focus, right? So you shift the camera. Oh, now I got a different background. Well, this is why. And we didn't talk about this. Let me ask you some more questions here. And any one process, you know, a company is ran by a certain number of business processes. I don't know, 40, 50, whatever they are. They're all the same for majority of companies. They're all technically, you know, set. So 
outlining them, making them clearly visible is one thing. But then finding correlations among them and where they touch each other, that takes special talent. And this is why if you're just looking at a business process, okay, I got it. Next. You probably are missing a piece. Now, okay, that's a good business analyst that gives you all the business processes. A great business analyst will be the one who does that and then says, let's step back. Let's mix these all up and see, start pulling them out one at a time and see what else sticks. Oh, look, something else is stuck over here. Oh, let's pull that out. Okay, we got two business processes that were connected. Did you know they were connected? Oh, well, man, that's not very clear. And at that point of connection, there's got to be business value there because most of the time they're mm -hmm. isolated. There's most of the time over, um, you know, multiple resources for the same event. All of this, a whole lot of different opportunities for value generation. So then we go to the next item. So you don't have tunnel vision. You can see the whole picture. You can, you know, pick this stuff out. Uh, know, know when when the rabbit hole should be left alone. That's also important, right? Because you as a business value analyst should also not waste time. So try and, okay, when is when are we at 80%? When are we 80-20? Be able to, to, to measure that or at least pull me back. Hey, wait, okay, I think we've done enough here. There's plenty of places here we can create value. And as we're getting lower and deeper, we create smaller and smaller chunks of value. To, to use the uh, Phoenix Project definition, unplanned, you know, the different kinds of work and the worst kind of work, the unplanned work in most companies, with maybe exception of, I don't know, like really, really big bank or something that's been doing it for, for generations. They've ironed everything out. They will be unplanned work that creates high entropy right where the where energy escapes finding those spots being able to either with experience or just looking at it figuring the stuff out figure figure those out and open my eyes to them you know in many ways not to be married to the industry or to the or to the thing that they're selling because the, because if you do that again you're you're focusing you're narrowing your focus you can't see the whole picture i'm doing that already all you all i need you you got to be my therapist Coming in and, and talk me through this. Pull that stuff out of my brain. Yeah. That's yeah, 100%. I spoke with Josh Marpet, who runs B-Sides Delaware, and also is now a CEO of a growth company, though he's not by function a marketer or a salesperson. He's a security practitioner who said that companies are in sales, people are just so focused on, ooh, look at the big shiny thing versus simply understanding the audience needs and really probing and digging into the discovery yep. of how can I help you? What do you need? What are the challenges right now? What is your motivation? When can I help? If I can't right now, we're all cool. I thought it was in your stream and LinkedIn or maybe someone else's recently, but someone said they had a sales experience where a salesperson got on the line, asked a whole bunch of questions and said, okay, thank you. And, no, that was definitely not mine. And went away. <laughs> but, and went away. The, all they yeah. wanted was, let me understand you, and maybe I'll come back to you with something. But in the me, I'm not going to sell you anything. I just want to understand. I understood. Now, okay, good. And we're going to go back, do some thinking, see where we can apply, talk to some people, yep. and then listen. I thought about it. Someone gave me advice on how to talk to executives. They said, listen to them first, and then don't tell them anything. Come back, and when yeah. you come back, tell them. We, we spoke about whatever. We, they, mm -hmm. they love to, to see that you heard them, considered it, did some research, and brought back something. 
even if it is, yeah. there's not much I can help you with right now. So, right. But right. it's the same thing here. Listen to me. Ask me what, why, what's, what's keeping me up at night or where are my biggest issues? And if I say, you know, one, two, three, four, oh, we could help you with this one or we can't help you with this one. So, you know what? If these are your five issues and I'm not helping you with any of them, I'm not going to waste your time. You've got plenty to worry mm -hmm. about right now. How do you propose that the business process value awesome analyst <laughs> would get that initial conversation with oh, you that's a, because it's a great question that that's it's it's cracking the ice there. it is um so today i had my first experience with someone who i didn't talk to before but followed my advice that i gave to someone else in the past on this so um uh, you know there, there was a, this uh executive round table they called it and in this round table, their goal, that person's goal, was to teach us, those five or six of us, two or three things that were important from the area that this person was covering. And generally, he's offering services in, but not in this call. This call was strictly at, I'm going to teach you some things that are going to be useful to you. We're done. Thank you. Goodbye. The name is behind, right? If you want to reach out and say, wow, that was hugely helpful. I'd like to learn more. Now, that's me asking. It's not them selling. So my advice to sales people, these awesome business analysts is teach me something, offer to teach me something that it will be useful to me and not in the thing that you do or try to sell me. This is how you can get me in front of you, right? So what would that be like for us for a season? This is where we roll back to the beginning of the conversation. What is it that we suck at? What can I, what do I need help with? And in most cases, it's not you explaining to me how the firewall A is better than firewall B or how many packets this thing is going to drop versus that thing or how many nopes it's going to. I, if you're trying to teach me that in your sales call, we, we're already in the we're not in the same place. If you're, guy, if you're coming in with, let me show you how our thing can help you, still, still no. But if you come in and say, hey, listen, I can teach you how to uh educate your team on presenting better wow i'd like to learn that even if that's not at all what you do but now you've built a connection with me back to everything we're talking about i now trust you to bring value you brought value. you already brought value to me you're bringing value to me oh what else do you do i even if I don't know for sure, I'm going to find out. That's just majority of people will, will, oh, what do they do? LinkedIn, oh, they're doing this thing. What does that thing do? If I know that I can trust you, then whatever it is you're doing gets a stamp of approval of my trust engine without any kind of participation with that thing you're doing. And now is, you know, gray, gray matter in my head. And then this one thing pops up because it has the stamp of approval of my trust engine. John Smith work, works at ABC Incorporated. And John Smith is awesome. And John definitely helped me out and gave me some information. Well, must be ABC is not too, too bad. So right there. Now, to get more specific, what I what do I need help with? And I think now that I'm doing this for, for a little bit, what a lot of other people like me coming up into the security field and are already those at the top, many of them too, we need help with that translation. We need help that we talked about in the beginning. How do I present to my board without killing them with numbers? How do I present mm -hmm. to my board without giving them a piece of technical data? How do, what does my mm -hmm. board care about? What do my executives mm -hmm. care about? What does my CEO, CFO, CMO, what do they worry about? 
Now, again, I could go back to them, but now that's my time. That's my CEO and everyone else's time. That's super, super expensive. Or you could go and say, listen, we interviewed 100 CEOs. These are the things they, on average, like to see in this order with this amount of detail. We had the same information from the CFO, CMOs, from the board directors. Let's go further. Board directors that are tech have technical background, board directors that have financial background, board directors that have this background. In fact, Mr. Ciso, who uh, I'd like to get in front of, I've looked at your board and I evaluated your board members and their histories. And I can, with some degree of certainty, tell you what they would be interested in versus what they wouldn't and give you some examples of how to present to them better. You will have me at that seminar every day of the week. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. sell me anything, but now you are the person I'm going to call and say, hey, I, I, got, I got a board presentation in, in a month. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I built it, but it just looks like a bunch of numbers and I'm falling asleep reading it myself. Help. And now that's it. Jane, for the rest of my life, is going to be the person I trust, no matter where Jane goes. Now, now I am in Jane's train. So if Jane says, hey, listen, I want to show you something. I would not even half a question of, I don't care what it is, but better. Like, okay, oh, you know what? That's actually, I, we have a problem I, I forgot about, but it, this might be. So let's talk on this. It's a win, win, win. And again, now we're back, you know, your, your par. I'm in your par number now. The amount of effort it'll take for you to do that research is much more minimal than the amount of effort it takes for people to cold call the shit out of you and write those emails and blast those emails, which essentially take you backwards yeah. because your reputation, the reputation of the seller is slashed because you're just pissing off buyers. You're not getting any revenue numbers. Your meeting numbers are tanked and you're getting slammed by your boss and you're burning out and changing industries like a fiend. But the amount of minimal time to just do a little legwork to research and help someone out do their job a little bit better is going to leap forward you forward exponentially. And that's what people don't understand because they're so focused on the immediate number, right? That they're losing sight of what exponential growth really means and looks like. I agree. It's actually interesting. That's exactly the problem we're facing on the security side. I can be in my alerts forever, never step out of them and always be busy. And yet that's not going to be the job, right? That, that'd be a failure at a job. I actually, one, one of the people I, taught, I told you about, the one that set up a call with me, was just a guy doing cold calls. And he wanted to hear from me, what would be a better way to approach me from cold call perspective? What can he say to me in the first five, 10 seconds, if he does reach me, to get it? So I, so I started walking him through the numbers. I'm like, okay, how many calls do you make a day? It was about 100. Okay, how many do you actually talk to at the end of the day? He goes, maybe three. So I'm like, you're at like a three. I don't know what the numbers are for for called caller, but I'm saying that's a that's a pretty big waste of of time. Exactly. So it's like, how does this make sense? And he goes, well, this is a job I have. I go, well, you have an opportunity. You can either just keep doing that job, or you could try and <laughs> try and organize this thought that we're talking about, bring it up to your manager. And I actually offered him. I said, if you want, I can talk to your whatever VP. And that's nice of you instead of just saying I, no. But I was like, this is painful. Like I felt bad for him. Like this is what you're yeah. doing. I, oh my god, that's so that's well, I, it's bad because some of those reps are are unfortunately that's their one of their KPIs, which is ridiculous. That's yeah. That that's the KPI. 
Like you got to make a hundred calls a day. Well, that's your quota. You do you know, a hundred calls. But again, you got to think about it from the audience perspective. You're dealing with security practitioners who are innately distrustful. Why would they answer a phone call that they don't know? And they're fucking busy. Like who's, I don't even answer phone calls from the gas company or my yeah. television provider nope. or even my dad. Nope. And, and, and this is my question. Should we kill calling altogether? I stopped reading my emails. And, you You're know, not going to yeah, get me yeah. there either. LinkedIn is maybe, but not if, like, I, I is this a sales thing? I'm not like, nope, nope, nope. You, you get good at kind of sniffing out if it's uh, going to exactly. be a sales Very, thing. very, very quickly. Yeah. I get I get a bunch of VCs or startups like, hey, you know, I want to learn more about you. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, I, no, you don't. There was one submission I got today on what the fuck did I just read? And someone sent a screenshot of a LinkedIn message and it wasn't a pitch. Okay. It was just like, Hey, I really want to connect. I'd be happy to help you. Shoot me up if you want. No strings attached. But the title of the person was, was company name, helping the best, like helping secure whatever, like the tag, like the a two paragraph tagline was their like job description. Cause Oops. <laughs> Oops. it was so funny. I'm just like, Oh, God, bad. But, but yeah, no. It would be, be fully automated. It wouldn't even know it. Exactly. Which takes me to another point that I wanted to talk about, and I'm writing about this now, is aliases on LinkedIn. Fishing for contacts with fake profiles. So, so that's a, I mean, that's a bigger issue for, actually, it's a bigger issue for, for us ex-Ukrainians now uh, as well. There's so much, there's so much of that going on. It's its own security problem these days. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't know. It's a I know it's a LinkedIn issue or Facebook issue or whatever you want. To, any social media is a, it's a big problem. But yeah, I mean, if you're trying to sell to me this way, you I don't even. It's like shooting yourself in the foot and then in the head. Like there's, there's just no you're you're not gonna. What are you doing? <laughs> what, yeah, it's no, like I... you start looking at no activity or like you know like just one thing over and over again. Uh, like okay blog delete report or whatever mm. and that's a and that, so so what what did you just achieve you you did exactly opposite of what you try to achieve you spent money on this time and money and you got negative result mm -hmm. it's negative ROI then you're not calculating i don't know how they i don't know how they're maintaining the business i don't understand how how is it possible yeah well there are a lot of companies that do that for organizations unfortunately and they measure it on oh yeah we got a connection request from bank of america and they're going to get on a meeting. They transferred it to a real person and they're going to get on a meeting with us. I'm just like, that model is treading on thin ice. As soon as I learned that, it's like, how can I trust you? If this yeah. is how you do start, start the conversation, if you want to build a relationship with me, how is this not dating with, you know, picture replacement? And I don't even know, like further, like all the way out. It's like honey trapping. <laughs> yeah. Six foot five and, you know, five foot four shows up like Okay, well, something is way off. Either your camera is that good, or th there's no trust. You can't build trust here. This is the this is this is what's killing me. You you know, vendors exist to solve a problem. Help mm -hmm. us solve the damn problem. Help mm -hmm. us do that without the noise. Help us do that ethically, morally. Help us do that quickly. Cut out the crap. Let's just get stuff done. And if it's not a match, well, it's not a match. Let's move on. There's plenty of us and plenty of you. Like it's just it's a as long, if we can do this in a organized and 
and I say good, but like in quotations, whatever that means, we can build that framework, we can do that in that manner here, then it's going to be success for years to come. I'm, I'm dealing with some people and some companies where there were multiple people like that. I've been dealing with them for years and I continue to bring them on. And even if they're not necessarily a part of the sale in any one place, part of the conversation, more people know about them, more connections, and then we go all we all go with our separate ways and then meet up again there. And again, there's more value there. Mm -hmm. But like so many things, we're not doing enough to be uh, deliberate about it, right? So this, yes. your effort, what we're talking about, what I'm talking about, these salespeople is that it's, it's, it's a dedicated effort for improvement uh, which I'm going to benefit from for years to come. The work you're doing is helping me now and in 20 years. Hopefully, I'm still doing this in 20 years, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll be retired in Aruba by then. I'm not going to retire. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be like a job for another 20 years, then another job. I'm going to go find another career. There you go. Maybe I'll go sell something. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.